This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup. My name is Jack Donnelly and as the intro said, this is Energy Sport's longest running football show with our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion as we take a look at the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider footballing world. As always, I'm joined by some of Napier's best and brightest and today that includes the man of many clubs, Mr. Struan Garvey. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. It's a Monday. It's, the weather's not quite snowy anymore. It's just a bit a bit wet and windy now at this point. I seem to always reference the weather in my uh, in my intros, but you know, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We we, we don't really we're not. I'm sure up everybody who's listening wants to know what the weather's like in Starling. Well, I mean, I I certainly do because weather seems to differentiate between east to west fairly regularly. So it's always a nice nice kind of range of weather profiles we get from our, from our panel. Uh, one man who may have a different weather profile to you today, Struan, is a man who is the furthest the furthest east out of the lot of us. Uh, the most lethal left foot in West Edinburgh. I'm saying that before I get complaints. Uh, Mr Jamie McIntosh, how are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Good afternoon to you all. Uh, it's, a, it's a lovely day in the capital. Uh, it's very mild. A lot of the snow has cleared that we had last week. So uh, that means I can start my new resolution and uh, I'm going to start running, Struan. You've inspired me to start running. Oh yes, there you go. Look at that. Have you have you been a big runner in the past, or is this your kind of first crack of the whip at it? It's never something I've been particularly good at, to be honest. I I do class myself as being very sporty, but actually running like consistently and mm. um, for a consistent period of time is never something I've enjoyed. It's never something I've really been very good at. So uh, it's a it's something new, something new for me. Lovely stuff. Well, we hope that goes very well. And finally, we are joined by Livingston's, uh, the most lethal left foot in Livingston, uh, and Energy's resident quiz master, Mr. Graham Sinclair. Good afternoon, mate. Uh, hi, Jack. How are you? Uh, you know, a dog barks and the caravan moves on. <laughs> Just another Monday for you. Pretty much. Lovely stuff. Well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, as always, we start our show off with the big question. And on the day of recording, it is February the 15th, so the day after Valentine's Day. So in the kind of late-ish spirit of things, I wanted to know which player first made each of you fall in love with the beautiful game of football? Struan Garvey. So I, I sort of have two, and the first one is sort of the first footballer who I ever knew, which is Ronaldinho, who I think is probably going to be one of the most, amongst our generation, I think yeah. he's probably going to be one of the most common answers to this question. I've got two older brothers who were really into football growing up, so I sort of got brought up to it. And I, I, the, the first stadium I actually went to when I was about five was the Camp Nou, and I remember getting a Ronaldinho t-shirt from that point and then just sort of just being obsessed. I didn't know really much about him at the time, but I've always sort of had that that admiration for him especially just the way you see him play and stuff like that I think everybody enjoys watching Brazil as well at times but I think as, as I came to know football a bit more I think I'd probably say Cristiano Ronaldo was one of mine growing up you know 
Man United fan. I think back in primary school, everybody wanted to be him back in the playground playing. I remember collecting match attacks as well and stuff like that, and everybody obsessing over his his hundred and one rated card back in two thousand and seven <laughs> or eight or whatever it was back then. And yeah, I, th- I think just just watching him, he was just such an entertaining player, and I think everybody wanted to be him at that point. So I'd, I'd probably have to say those would be the two who I really enjoyed watching. So the uh, the new camp was the first stadium you ever went to. So is this you claiming? Barcelona fan as well as Celtic, Hibs, Man United, uh, Juventus, Bayern, and Munich. Bayern Munich. Yeah, was quite bad actually. Is I've, I've actually just got a Barcelona T-shirt, like not hanging up in my room, but it's on the end of sort of like my curtain frame. So that doesn't doesn't really give me a good look either, does it? But no, I, I, I do not support Barcelona. I can confirm. Well, Always been a Real Madrid. I suppose it will leave that up to the listeners to decide. So Jamie, do you think you can top Strun's options there of Ronaldo and Ronaldinho? Who who made you first fall in love with football? Well, mine was also a midfielder. Um, I didn't watch an awful lot of kind of football on the continent when I was when I was younger, but uh, obviously did follow follow Hearts avidly back then. And back then, one of our kind of star players was uh, Sir Paul Hartley. Oh yes, um, scored many a derby goal. And was just a very, uh, a very difficult player to dislike from a Hearts fan's point of view. He was a real fan's favourite, so uh, I would have to say somebody like Paul Hartley. I think it would be easy to go with somebody like Scatchell or uh, Presley. I don't know any but Gordon, but uh, Paul Hartley for me was was one of my favourites growing up, and probably one of my my players I remember uh, most avidly from my younger days following Hearts. I feel it always just as the play. It's almost maybe like the first player that just makes an impression. Like as soon as you see someone for the first time, you just think, oh. That's really cool. You kind of start picking up on football as a whole after seeing them and kind of ha- them having left the impression on you. Uh, Graham, what about yourself? I think I said to you. You, see, you boasted that you uh, you boasted that you could guess mine. So let's see. I how think. You know. I, well, I didn't. But I said I think I know yours, and I was fairly mm-hmm. confident in that. Is it Michael Owen? My man knows his stuff. Michael go. James Owen. Yeah, I remember one of my earliest football memories is the 2001 FA Cup final when I was but four years old and Michael Owen scored a memorable double. And just everyone wants to be a striker when they grow up, really. And he was a small, rapid Liverpool striker. Mm-hmm. And like, hard to believe these days, but I was once small and fast myself. So I always picture, when you, put, you always picture yourself in a footballer, for me the person I thought I, was, I wanted to be like when I played football was Michael Owen. And then they got shoved at fucking left back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you had a prolific career at left back, Graham. I didn't. Well, it's nice to hope. Uh, as for me, I, I'm like Strain, I had two kind of one that kind of left the impression on me that made me kind of want to start paying more attention to football because it's fairly well documented that I was not an avid football lover from the from birth. I was, I was, it took me a little bit of time to get acclimatised and de- develop a passion for it. And what one man that certainly helped that case and helped that happen was a defender, which doesn't make a lot, which m- might seem a bit odd. You would think it maybe be the more creative players that can really just kind of dazzle, dazzle the mind with uh, a fantastic goal, a fantastic piece of skill like Ronaldinho. But for me, Carlos Puyol was, was just an absolute machine of a man and someone that I really, really admired just like from watching him even half watching a game and I would always kind of pick up when Carlos Puyol did something he was so loud he was abrasive he was very very hard to play against which I think is a testament to exactly the player he was he was just fantastic and 
when I, when I was younger, I had kind of long, dangly, kind of curly hair. So I kind of so, always saw a bit of myself in Carlos Puyol. I play, and I played centre-back when I eventually did play football. So that that's... I tried to mould my game on, but it was more a back end of the career David Luiz that you got when I played football rather than a World Cup winning stalwart in Puyol. And then the other man, of course, would be Frank Lampard, just uh, my club's top goal scorer of all time. Led them to various successes as a player, not so much as a manager, but potentially one day, potentially he might come back one day and do that as a manager, but we've always got his playing career to look back on fondly. Now, as we did on Friday with the Fantasy Ramble, if you've not listened to that episode, go back and check it out. Uh, we're going to start kind of splitting up the segments a bit more, uh, just with a wee, wee, wee interlude. We're trying to up the production value, as you will have heard in the in the intro. So we're going to uh, end this in this particular recording, but we will be back instantly after after the little interlude with our first segment of chewing the football. <laughs> So, Tune the Football, of course, is our weekly look at the weekend in Scottish football. And it was a bit kind of all over the place in Scottish football this weekend. The amount of call-offs that we had. All but two championship matches were called off due to snowfall. And we saw one premiership match affected as Ross County were due to host Hibs, but due to heavy snowfall up north, that could not happen. Uh, I've got six separate talking points for Scottish football this weekend, just to go over. And I'm going I'm to steal an idea of Sean McGill's, I'll openly admit that right now, and just uh, number each of them, and I would like each uh, of my three colleagues today to select any number from one to six, and I will ask them about that particular um, particular encounter. Uh, I will give Graham and Jamie a bit of a through ball, though. Graham, you might want to mention number four, and Jamie, you might want to mention number six. That that's that's just a just a word word of potential advice, whether you take it or not. That's completely up to you. Uh, Struin, what number would you like? Take four or six. six. <laughs> <laughs> just about to say six. <laughs> no, I'll take five. I'll take, go in between them. You've picked your teammate, Celtic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had that down, so uh, St Johnson hosting Celtic yesterday on Sunday, taking the lead in the 50th minute through Sean Rooney, but a quick-fire odds on Edward double uh, cancelled out that opener and got Celtic all three points. Now, there have been there have been arguments strewn about Celtic recently and whether they are back, quote-unquote. Insert Rio Ferdinand. Insert Rio Ferdinand. Uh, was that the case, or is this now the case? I mean, are, are you seeing a more convincing Celtic these days than we have done earlier in the season? Because to me, Celtic from three months ago, if they go 1-0 down to St. Johnson start the second half, they don't come back into that game. Yeah, I totally agree. I think in that point that Celtic previous in this season, I don't think are good enough to make the comeback. But I wouldn't say Celtic are back as such, but I would make the point that I think Eduard is really coming back into form now. I think, you know, before this season, and probably even now, you'd probably say he is the most talented player in, in the league at the moment. And I think his his dry patch, you know, he came in, scored a hat-trick in the first game, and then basically just went silent for a month or two. And I think that's probably been one of the the biggest losses for Celtic this season is his goal through it, but sort of coming back to it now and 
be a massive boost for them. Even in the sense of if they are going to sell them in the summer, you know, the better he plays now, the more that price tag might get a wee boost to it. Absolutely. But I mean, it's 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 too little too late really for Celtic and any hope of mounting a comeback for the title. Second place is probably the best I th- possible yeah. outcome. I, th- I think I would and, and a Scottish Cup maybe. Maybe yeah, that that's all that's still on the cards, I suppose. But I mean, you wouldn't even consider that a successful season, maybe. I mean, no, for, I, mo- I for think most from fans, standards, yeah, most fans, any sort of silverware at the end of the end of the seasons is, is going to be a success. But considering how prolific Celtic have been, one Scottish Cup at the end of this season isn't going to bring home the headlines or bring home like, adoration from the fans. When you're going for that ten in a row, I think if you, if at the start of the season if you offered Celtic fans the League Cup and the Scottish Cup and a second place finish or just the league by itself, I think the majority would take the league by itself for the ten, oh, yeah. regardless of the European form that is. Well, what would so you I, want I think? To oh, see if you to, see to be honest. Um, well, <laughs> the doozy of a question. Probably the league. Probably the probably. league. Probably. Yeah. Probably the league. But uh, no, yeah, I think. That it probably will be a poor season from Celtic standards. Neil Lennon will say otherwise, but I'd imagine. But I think the majority of the fans will be quite annoyed. Uh, I'll I'll open it up to the other two here because there's a topic of conversation that's been quite prominent on our group chat, and it was certainly after his two goals at the weekend. Odson Edward. Uh, it was a point made on an episode of Extra Time, I believe. Was it was it last week's episode? Yeah, it was. It was. That uh, Taylor Murray made that uh, Edward was having a poor season. As the top goal scorer in the division, uh, Graham and Sean were arguing against it feverishly. Jamie and, and myself actually backed up Taylor's points after Edward's goals the other day. What what do, what do we make of Edward this season is what I'm basically trying to get to. Is, is he, has he been disappointing or can any player at the top of the goal scoring charts even be considered as a disappointment? There you go, Jamie. It depends on what his his role in the team is. Odson Edward is a striker. Strikers are supposed to score goals, and Odson Edward has scored goals this season for Celtic and won them games with his goals. So, if you judge it barely on, uh, or sorry, solely on uh, on goals scored, then uh, Odson Edward has has performed for Celtic this season. I think the point that Taylor was trying to make um, <laughs> was that uh, Odson Edward's kind of all-round game had um, decreased in th- th- this season compared to last. Um, he's still a top finisher. Everybody knows that. And he'll, you'll never lose that because that's what strikers say. They say that you are a born finisher is, is an, uh, an attribute that people use to describe to describe strikers. Um, so I, I'm not saying that he's he's lost his touch or anything because he's not in front of goal. Um, he's still as deadly as, as ever. But I do think Taylor's right to question his... His kind of overall link up and kind of body language, I think at times probably mm. you could say that he hasn't looked as as interested and as influential as everybody knows that he can be. But ultimately, he is still scoring goals and leading the line for Celtic and, and picking up um, picking up goals that are getting them free points. So I don't know. I don't know what wages he's on. I imagine it's a lot, but the body language doesn't look good to me, and uh, I still think his overall. Uh, game has has dropped this season, despite the, the the goals he's still scoring on a regular basis. Graham, how about yourself? You were arguing in favour of Ed uh, Odson Edward having a good season. 
Well, it's t- I think he was having a bad season until six games ago. Mm. Uh, it was a point where Conor Goldson had more goals from open play than Alexander Bard <laughs> did. And uh, he's turned it around, and with, when his performances have changed around, so have Alexander Edwards. And I think, for me, he's still the standout player for Celtic, and he's just the supporting cast around him is constantly disappointed. I remember having the argument yesterday about his link-up play being bad, and then all of a sudden he played Lee Griffiths through, and Lee Griffiths had a horrible... Well, it was one-on-one, one, the horrible touch, and the ball went miles away. So that's... Con- I think maybe the product of Edward season being worse is more of the circumstances around him rather than his individual performances, especially of late. No, you can definitely see that, and can definitely see... He- we, we know he's a lethal finisher and we know he can link up but there's only so much he can do when he's not getting the service and then when he tries to put this ball through himself no one's capitalising on it so there's going to be a kind of dip in numbers I suppose you could say but as we all know it's not all about numbers and I do agree with Jamie that I think he's just looked very uninterested and I think that stemmed from early in the season where Celtic failed to qualify for the Champions League and I think that was a massive kind of point in Ed Edward sticking at Celtic this season was being able to play in the Champions League again he's not done that so for the most part of the season he's looked uninterested and I don't know I think he's potentially picking up performances now to try and put himself in the shot window a bit more in the summer because I don't see Celtic keeping him past this summer to be perfectly honest so we'll just need to wait and see uh, and it's easier to play when the pressure's off so uh, absolutely Celtic, have, yeah. Celtic are playing for very little yeah, absolutely. I would completely agree with that. Uh, Jamie, would you, would you like to pick a number from uh, one to six without five? It was six, I believe, that you told me to pick. So uh, I will pick number... F- no, I'll pick number six. <laughs> I only did it because I'm going to mention a game that you actually were there for. Very briefly, I'll grant, because nothing happened in the game. Uh, there were only two championship fixtures played this weekend. One of them was uh, oh you went you weren't there sorry but you I was going to say I you watched it you reported no. after <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you did the report so I just kind of had it in my mind that you were there uh, Queen of the South and Hearts it just wasn't very it wasn't a very good game Jamie was it uh, no it wasn't it wasn't a very good game at all um, uh, Robbie Nielsen came out and blamed the pitch um, it was just an astroturf pitch. Hearts train on AstroTurf during the week, uh, as Ryan Stevenson alluded to after after the game. And I think it was just a, a little bit of deflection um, away from a, another relatively poor Hearts performance away from home. Uh, elsewhere in the Championship, uh, the other game played out was a bottom-of-the-table clash between Alawa and Arbroath and uh, former United Loney and uh, school friend, oh, not friend, but school colleague of mine, Ennis Cameron, uh, bailed Alawa out with a last-minute equaliser to earn the Wasps a point and opens up the bottom of the bottle. The, the Goodness me, that did not make any word of sense. The bottom... Uh, the, battle the battle at the bottom. At the bottom. <laughs> there we go. Goodness <laughs> sake, all over the place. Uh, the, the battle, joys of radio. <laughs> the joys of radio, exactly. The battle at the bottom of the championship table with uh, only five points separating Air United in fifth and the 10th placed team. Yay! Yay! First time. <laughs> I made sure I wrote it incorrectly. Uh, who do we see kind of falling away or do we see it changing any any more significantly than it is just now? Do we see any changes kind of mid-table in the Championship? Do we 
expect anyone but either of Alawa or Arbroath to go down. Like, what what's our thoughts going into the final third of the season? Potentially, we'd call it. I don't know to be honest. I, I, Alawa are a bit like Hamilton um, in the the SPL. They're a very difficult team to beat. I just said SPL. Actually, shouldn't have said that. Scottish Premiership. Sorry. Um, Alawa are a very difficult team to beat, and you know Hearts have struggled against them this season. Um, our both have are, are unbeaten now in the last five games. Obviously, if they they would have loved to have have won at the end of drill on Saturday. Um, Queen of the set. I'm just looking at the table now. I mean, Inverness are sitting in ninth, but they've got like four games in hand on everybody else. So I would imagine they would uh, jump up the table. Greenock Morton are, are on a bit of a bad run of form. They're five points above Alloa, having played the same amount of games. I do think Alloa will, will come bottom. Um, as for the playoff spot, I'm not really sure. I was quite impressed with Queen of the South the other night. Mm. Uh, I thought they had a couple of good-looking players that uh, look look pretty pretty good. Um, I mean, even looking at Air Jack, you know, it's, it's five points. I know you've got a game in hand on Alloa, but you know, I, I think your home record will be good enough to keep you up. Um, I think it has to be Alawa, really, though, doesn't it? I'm I'm just trying to look at the other teams and see if I can see anybody dropping into into bottom spot. But I think Alawa could occupy that for the rest of the season, to be honest. I definitely wouldn't be surprised. And I, I don't know. I don't even know about us. I mean, we, we're not allowed to play away, seemingly. Any any time we try, we just get told no because the snow's helping us out. So if we can just play the rest of the season at home, that'd be great. That, that that'd be great. We'd probably do all right. Uh, Graham. Pick yourself a number, sir. Four, please. Four. Well, we're talking about Rangers, aren't we? Uh, it was a 1-0 win for Rangers at home to Sean McGill's Marnock. A Ryan Jack wonder strike sealed the win. In a fairly tightly contested game, uh, Tommy Knight had Kelly Knut limiting Rangers in terms of their chances, but that was it. They didn't really offer too much going forward. How, how did you view your team's performance, Graham? It was never a result in doubt, despite the low scoreline, though. It is becoming a bit of a worry that Rangers seem to not be able to put a second goal past teams. Um, I wonder if they've been so good against Agassiz last week. It was the first time, really, all season in the league have actually lost a goal at, at that point. They've been so well organised and such good game managers. Maybe that they get a bit too comfortable at 1-0 and think it's over. But Saturday was a much better performance overall. I mean, Kelly offered nothing. They had two shots in the entire game. And it was a game I was slightly concerned about given that it was a new manager bounce and possibly that might make it a bit tougher. But it wasn't really, and Rangers just squandered chance after chance after chance to put the game to bed, which made it uncomfortable as a fan. But if you went and watched that game back as a neutral, there's, it was never in doubt that the result was going to be a Rangers victory. Yeah, no, I mean, going into that one, I suppose, a fairly poor game for Tommy Wright to kind of get and is only second our game as Kelly manager considering mm. how good Rangers have been but I think we've spoken enough about our, our right and Kilmarnock on their show recently we've kind of alluded to the fact that we probably think he'll be alright and that Kelly do have a better squad than a number of the other teams dropping into the split so we'll, we'll, we'll leave the Kelly chat for another day and another Sean McGill fueled uh, bout of knowledge uh, Struan pick your second number between one and three we've, we've got the first three to talk about can I have number one, please? You can have number one. That is Aberdeen nil, St Mirren nil. Uh, the kind of closest or kind of most relevant news with this is between these two teams just now. Jim Goodwin 
has today been awarded a new contract at St Mirren. Uh, taking him to 2023, I want to believe. Am I right with that? As I'm just checking. I think it was... 2024, sorry. Yeah, I thought it was 2024. 2024. Uh, Stuart, that's a pretty good bit of business from St Mirren, you would say. Yeah, I think he's deserved it. I think I think we said in the in the group chat as well, he's deserved it. It's been some absolutely fantastic results. I think most notably in recent weeks, the 2-1 victory over Celtic, I think, is a huge boost to that team as well. And actually, I just think they've been pretty good under him as well. They beat Kilmarnock 2-0 recently. I mean, a 0-0 against Aberdeen... It's not really spectacular, Aberdeen are not really in the best of form at the moment, but yeah, I think it's a good decision from St. Mirren and I think Goodwin's deserved it. Graham, you, know, you got something to chime in with that? Uh, so, no, I'm just looking at Aberdeen, I mean, we need to have a discussion about Aberdeen right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even away from football, they, they were uh, the chairman was due to do an open Q&A with Aberdeen fans and very, very quickly before it was due to kick off, he cancelled it. <laughs> well, the fact that they've not scored in six games is it needs two strikers, I believe. It's not scored in six games, and it's not they've played. They've played Levy twice. They played Hibs, St. Mirren, Motherwell. Uh, no, sorry, five games. My apologies. They did beat a ten-man Motherwell team. That's a massive result for them. Oh, lovely, but it drew St. John's no no three no nos in there, <laughs> defeats to Hibs and Levy, and now they get Celtic into their next three games. So maybe that's, that's why he can't. Maybe the, because it's the lovely. question was going to be when's McKenna's going, and he didn't want to answer that because it was an unfiltered <laughs> Q and A. Might have been the reason why, because it's entirely possible if they don't score against Kelly, they could go nine or ten games without scoring a goal. I think the fact that it was unfiltered, it was probably a fair estimation to cancel it, considering there was probably going to be some hate speech in there. Realistic against McInnes and the squad and the board and everyone involved, really. <laughs> Possibly, I have. I, to, I just wanted to see it. I think it's so funny cancelling something it, like that. It would have been such a good laugh seeing that play out, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit annoyed that it never happened because it would have given us some brilliant content to have spoken about today because some of the best questions would have got circulated and we would have really enjoyed seeing them. And they have turned into a dumpster fire in the last few weeks. What has happened to Aberdeen? Just open question. Like, what What is going on? Is it all good things must come to an end? They're it playing this. a good thing. They're playing this absolute bizarre three to back formation with no wingers. And, and like just complete. Was, was Hayes part of the back three as well in the most recent game? I think Johnny Hayes just played everywhere apart from in goals at this point. And he's like 5 6, so I don't advise that. But like they lost. It was, Ryan Hedges is out for the season and they sold Scott right to Rangers. And just. There's absolutely no creativity in that team whatsoever, which obviously not they've not scored a goal, as I've mentioned probably like ten times in the last two minutes. How many goals have they scored, Graham? Recently? Uh, zero goals zero. in the last five games and Southampton also lost nine 0 to Letta and Manu. Just <laughs> ever, get, ever getting that in there. <laughs> just, just to just keep that agenda going and just keep the main nah, level of it. They, they, they suck so much, that would be it's amazing. I love to see, I love seeing it. It's quite it's quite funny. I mean Stuart, your team didn't play this weekend, but based on kind of current form and results elsewhere, is third place Hibs to lose now? I think so. I think you'd have to say it's Hibs to lose at the moment, especially because for quite a long time this season, regardless of who's been on top between Hibs and Aberdeen, Aberdeen have always had two or three games in hand, and there's always that sort of, you know, 
regardless of what Hibs point tallies, Aberdeen can catch it. But no, both teams are on the same games played. Hibs are four points ahead. In the head-to-head, I think it was an absolutely massive result as well for Jack Ross beating Aberdeen. So, And Livingston seemed to have fallen away a bit, but I'm sure we'll probably get onto that in one of the other numbers. So I think you'd have to say it's Hibs' to lose at the moment, but probably very capable of losing it, in all honesty. I mean, it is Hibs at the end of the day, I suppose. Aberdeen can't score goals as well, which obviously kind of helps, usually, if you can score a goal. Yeah. Kind of bringing Michael Owen back into it there. For I mean, me. you bring in Flo Canberry, I'm not quite sure what the hopes are. <sighs> Dwindling, I think those hopes would be if you're bringing in Flo Canberry, to be honest. Uh, I thought Hornby was a really good signing as well. You know what would have been really funny, like, just when Fraser Hornby signed? See if, one, see if an Aberdeen fan had replied to the announcement tweet saying they were horny for Hornby. That would have been really, really funny. What would be really funny is if Aberdeen just didn't score another goal for their entire history. <laughs> they would just, just fade out of existence having mm. never scored a goal again. They'd probably still say the top league by just getting 30 no no draws. I mean, yeah, they're, they're defending... Andy, Andy Considine would, would Andy Considine remaining he's, at the centre he's, he's like 70 year old centre if he's a 70 year old centre he'll still have the same pace as he does credit to himself I suppose mm-hmm. keep himself fit and he'll be, he'll be there for a while long absolutely Jamie two or three uh, number two number two Dundee United winning 3-0 at home to Livingston Two red cards in the game, so open was the was the word was the word of choice. Uh, especially Dundee United went uh, down to ten men first before Jack Jack Fitzwater gets sent off in the second half. They're, I understand they're appealing that uh, Livingston, but I, I suppose Jamie the Livingston train just kind of had to come to a stop eventually. But it's kind of coming to a stop at the worst possible time, kind of leading up to a cup final. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um... You say that Livingston are appealing. Dungeon United are also appealing, I think, uh, the decision to send Peter Pollitt off. So I think both clubs are appealing there. Uh, going by sports, it wasn't a particularly good performance. I think uh, Nick Walsh was the referee, so it wasn't his finest hour. Um, but that's a brilliant result for Dungeon United. That's back-to-back wins for, well, the first time in in a long time, I think, probably, back-to-back wins. Uh, I know, obviously, before the Ross County game, they hadn't won since that Kilmarnock game, and then before that, it had been a long time as well. So, back-to-back wins for United, and that effectively seals their place in the Scottish Premiership now for the uh, for the season. And then they're eleven points above Ross County, um, and and Hamilton actually because they're both joint, obviously. Um, so yeah, that'll be them in the Premiership for another season. As for Livingston, they're now ten points behind uh, Hibs. Six behind Aberdeen, but now I suppose attentions will turn to the cup final against uh, against St. Johnson. And I just think that's such a tough game to call, you know. It, mm. it always was going to be, but now Livingston have their form. You know, I was starting to think Livingston were unbeatable. You know, I genuinely was. I, I was starting to think that will they, will they lose another game this season? Honestly, I am... Now they've lost to uh, now they've lost two to St Johnson and and Dungeon United, and um, you, you, St Johnson could probably lick in their lips now. I thought they did okay against Celtic yesterday, and uh, I'm intrigued to see how it pans out. Um, I'm not afraid to say that I'd love to see Livingston win purely for the David Martindale story, mm-hmm. but um, I'm kind of fearing for Livingston now. I have to say I think their season could peter out quite easily. Which would be an absolute shame considering all that's happened with them this season and just 
the high that they built themselves up onto. I mean, David Martindale kind of being named a fit and proper person, which was the absolute right decision, the only real decision that could have been made. And now it just kind of seems to all be fading away, which is which is a real shame. And I do I do want them to win the cup final. I think if I had to have a horse in the race, uh, it would be it would be Livingston's. Uh it's, oh, sorry, it's, just the, like, it's just like the what might have been yeah. sort of thing. So like of course they've they've still done brilliantly and it still looks like they'll at least come fifth in the league. But you know, if they go on to lose the cup final and then come fifth, it was like they could have won the cup, they could have got European football. Mm. You know, it's still been a fantastic season for Livingston, but you do sort of just think like, oh, wow, what what might have been? And I'm not sure Livingston fans will have any regrets or that if they lose the cup final or that, but because it's still a great achievement for them to get to the final and to get fifth and to push Aberdeen and Hibs so close. But I don't know. It just it's, it's just a bit of a shame that it's sort of like a what might have been story now, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Graham, that uh, come, brings it right back to you. You've got a choice between number three and number three. Well, I believe the team you're going to bring up won by three goals, so I guess I'll go for number three. The team in number three did in fact win by three goals. It was a 4-1 win for Hamilton Academical away at Motherwell. Huge in ter- huge game in terms of the bottom half of the table. I mean, it kind of drags Motherwell back down a little bit. Uh, huge for Hamilton, huge for Brian Rice uh, getting that over Motherwell. I mean... They're kind of splitting opinion at the moment, especially on the timeline, because some are some are saying that they're safe. That that's them kind of marching back to safety. Some of them, some people are saying that they they really shouldn't be judged for this early because there's still plenty of games to go. Uh, how are you viewing Hamilton Graham kind of going into the back end of the season? Well, most importantly, that they their last two performances have been absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. They were they should have beat Rangers last week, and it's almost as if all the goals they should have scored against Rangers came on Saturday against Motherwell. They've had their number against Motherwell in Lanarkshire Derby. I think they've won the other two games this season as well, and it's just they've been excellent on the eye. They've been really pleasant to watch in the last couple of weeks. A special mention should go to Ross Callahan, yeah, who is up to a loving contribution for the season. And I think he's got a number of penalties in it, which, as you know, I'm, I'm violently against counting penalties mm-hmm. in stats. But he's been excellent. He's been their best player and a talisman for the club as they look to avoid safety once again. No, they look to gain safety, avoid relegation. Ah, avoid relegation, sorry. But, yeah, well, you said you asked. They're absolutely not safe. I don't know why people are. I think there's genuine people that want Hamilton to be the jobby that flushes this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, but, so, what we're saying is Hamilton are floaters. Hamilton they are floaters, exactly. Right, okay. But, no, just so, Hamilton people are like, oh, Hamilton are off the bottom. This is the start of the revival. But I don't think. Um, this season is wildly different. So, I'm not going to say that they're safe yet. They're still 11th, 11th place. 11th place, have two, a, a point well, off Kilmarnock with two games in hand. Yeah, but still, it's going to be very hard for them still, to stay up. It's still going to be a real battle. They, they are not safe by any means at all. I'm going to say that uh, safe, Hamilton's safety this season is now theirs to throw away. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? Well, they're off the bottom of the table now. Um They've got a game in hand on, on Ross County, who are, who are below them. Um, they are a point behind Kilmarnock with two games in hand. Uh, Kilmarnock, obviously, are in a, in a much worse run of form. Um, they've got the worst <laughs> form in the league just now, in the last kind of five, six, seven, however many games. 
Um, and, the, you know, as you say, Graham, this this is where Hamilton come into their own this, this time of the season. And these last two performances are kind of what we're used to seeing from Hamilton. It's this defiance and this... Um, this never back down kind of attitude that that they have. Um, Brian Rice said after the, I think it was actually after the Rangers game, um, that you know I said now we're we're going to have a go at teams now. You know this is our attitude has changed. We're going to start having a go, um, and we're we're going to give it our all. So I would sort of question where this has been for the the the, the rest of the season because now it's like Brian Rice is coming out and saying, oh, you know we're. We're, we're going to have a go now, you know? So it's like they haven't been doing that before, going by what he's saying, which I find a little bizarre. But I, I just think that uh, Hamilton will be in the Scottish Premiership next season and I think uh, Sean McGill should be extremely worried about his Kilmarnock team falling into the playoffs. I, I don't know who's going to come bottom, to be honest. Uh, I'm a massive advocate for John Hughes, as you know. Yep. Um, I've, I'm now saying that Hamilton will stay up and I said that uh, Kyle Lafferty will keep Kilmarnock up, so that leaves Motherwell. <laughs> it's gone to the point where we, we, your process of elimination has Motherwell finishing bottom. Uh, it would appear to be the case, unless St Johnston or Dundee United or somebody manages to go... Just don't bring hearts again. up. Just, <laughs> yeah. leave heart, just leave hearts dead in their hearts. They're shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't disagree. For a fairly high-profile league, if Hearts stayed down, to be honest, and we get another, another potentially one or two or two uh, Premiership clubs going down, that would be wouldn't be fun for AR, but be a fun watch for many others. How about an Air Kelly playoff final, Jack? I don't think my heart could take that, to be honest. I don't. I don't think like my brain could take it, like my mental health, because I w- <laughs> based on us recently, unless it was. Anywhere but Somerset Park, I'd be worried. Oh, in the right way, you'd have the whole group chat support, I feel like, against Sean. I think I would, because I think it would be really funny if Air beat Kelly and the group chat would just have the time of their lives and I would just bask in that completely. But We would need to do a fan zone for that. A live watch along. I don't think Jack I could. I, I could Jack not Jack sit with. Sean, I could not sit with Sean McGill watching that game. I'll say that right now. There's not a chance that could happen just based on my own. It's too good an opportunity to pass up. I would say though. I think. versus Kilmarnock, Jack versus Sean, an energy sport live watch along. I would be all for that. Content. I think the content would be fantastic. Like, don't get me wrong, content comes up of anything else. But if if he went on to lose that game, I don't think you'd be hearing from me for a significant period of time. I would just disappear until potentially the next year of uni. Who knows? Uh, with that kind of hypothetical in mind, that's going to bring an end to this week's tune the football. Uh, just another wee interlude, and we are going to be back with English Entertainment. Right, so this is English Entertainment. This is our weekly look at the action from the Premier League. We're currently midway, midway sorry, through uh, game week twenty-four. Uh, there's a f- there were a fair few kind of upsets and unexpected results, uh, especially considering our second round of our last man standing has just wiped, I think, all but one person out or something like that at this point. With Chelsea to play. With with, with games still to play, out of the games that have been played, I think everyone apart from two people who voted City. I've been knocked out, including Mr. McIntosh, but 
we, we don't like to bring that up, especially because all three of us have picked Chelsea. So, mm-hmm. could easily go very wrong tonight. A little blue. Exactly. Uh, right, let's start with Leicester versus Liverpool. Nah. Do you not want to? Nah. Do you, not, do you want me to talk about the game at all? Get it over with. Get it over. Okay, Liverpool capitulated again. Uh, and by capitulated, I mean really just kind of threw it away. Uh, Alisson made another mistake. Uh, Kabak basically had that ball under control until Alisson just came rushing out to meet it. Those two collided, Vardy nipped in and just blasted into an empty net and did a guitar solo with a corner flag. It was quite funny for me, but I know it wouldn't have been funny for Graham. Uh, do you even want me to address you in terms of this game? Uh, Orpo were excellent in this game for 80 minutes. Yep. And they just, like you said, they just fell apart. You know, they were so dominant and so comfortable for most of the game, other than Vardy sticking away in the first half and hitting the bar. Their goal was wonderful, and Firmino's assist has mm. been overlooked now because of the ensuing chaos of them being absolute dog shit. But that's, that's one of the best assists of the year. Oh, yeah, it's, back, it's kind of like roulette oh, back heel to, to Mo Salah. Uh, so I, uh, they were amazing and they threw it away. But fair for to lesser laughs. I read Michael Cox's piece. They changed to like a diamond with two up front, and as much as Liverpool collapsed, lesser also changed their system effectively to panic Liverpool defence, and that's kind of how they got their third goal, which put the game to bed. Struan, how did you view this one? I mean, we kind of spoke on the on Friday in the fancy ramble that this would have been Leicester's kind of best opportunity to beat Liverpool, and has been the best opportunity to beat them for a while now and it could have proved to be right although none of us really backed Leicester to do anything did we? No it's it's one of those fixtures that Liverpool always seem to have the beating of Leicester in and it did look that way to be honest for 80 minutes it looked like Liverpool Liverpool of old I say old as if it was long ago but it looked like the Liverpool we've been used to seeing I think Graham was totally right they dominated then the free kick went in the, the Firmino assist was absolutely fantastic yep. but I, th- I think another sort of there were two really good saves in the game. The, the Allison one, just after, I think it was 2-1, where he made the double save, was incredible. But, I mean, that's obviously going to be forgotten about. And then the Casper the Schmeichel offside, just the strength of his right arm to just stop that Firmino attempt was incredible. But, yeah, I think I think Leicester did probably deserve it the way they switched up at the end. But it was just a, a calamity from Liverpool. Another big mistake from Allison, And it's a pretty dreadful debut, I suppose, for Ozan back on top of that. Yeah, as far as as far as debuts go, it wasn't wasn't in a member in any case. Uh, Jamie Leicester were bolstered uh, by the fact that Jamie Vardy was able to return for this game. Uh, should he remain fit, do you reckon Leicester have top four nailed on now? It's a big claim to make, especially when there's still fourteen games to go. But considering how I want to say inconsistent, just about everyone else in the league is apart from City, it could it could be a realistic shout. Yeah, I think it is a realistic shout, but we need to remember that Leicester kind of threw it away last season. They did. Um, and you're right, there is still 14 games to go. But I'm just kind of looking down the table and you're, you know, West Ham, Chelsea both playing tonight. If both were to win, which I expect them to, they would both be four points behind Leicester with the same amount of games played. So, you know, there's, there's not much in it. You know, Leicester, it doesn't take much for Leicester to, to suddenly drop out of that top yeah. four. 
but you know, I think they're they're playing some nice stuff and I had it down for a for a draw at the weekend. Um I think I had it down for my, my favourite score line of one all. Um which looked good for a, a couple of minutes. Um <laughs> and then they scored again. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I think Chelsea are three wins in a row, obviously, in the league. I, I expect them to make it four tonight. And uh yeah, Chelsea could maybe sneak into that top four all of a sudden. And uh yeah, Leicester could easily easily drop out of it. As I say, it doesn't take much to for them to slip out of that top four. And uh, as I say, we know that they, they obviously threw that away last season. So they'll be wary of that. That'll play on their mind. But obviously having Vardy back is a big boost to the attack. Absolutely. Uh, moving on from top four to contenders to champions elect, potentially. Uh, City ran out 3-0 winners over Spurs at the weekend. Dominant once again. And Mourinho's Spurs were limited to very little. Now, Graham, I believe it was yourself who raised this point in our Twitter group chat, uh, or it might have been Sean potentially. I can't remember exactly. I think it was me. So your point, your the question that you'd kind of brought to us was, where, like, how good are this Manchester City side? And by side, we are meaning the side from this season, not as in Pep Guardiola's overall kind of reign. What what do we think? Because for for me, I think the fact that they've not really had any direct challengers, I suppose, to the title this season, especially in the last few weeks, almost kind of diminishes their success. I mean, obviously they're still fantastic. We know that from seeing them play. We watched them play, they're unbelievable. But are they a bit more underwhelming because of the lack of competition? I think we need to give them more credit than, than maybe we have given them so far. Okay, you know, a bit... Uh... In our heads, uh, still at the start of the season where they were so lackadaisical, and they just kind of grinded out a few like wins, with which wasn't typical Manchester City. Which I think maybe the, the change of their style where they were have grind, grinded out more wins and they relied more on defensive stability, has kind of made people think there's a worse team than the Centurions who were just the game was over within fifty minutes, like probably two thirds of the games almost. Mm. The second team have ground out result ground out results and their defence have been excellent. They've only conceded fourteen goals in twenty three games, which has always been their Achilles heel. It can in relation to historic, I think they kinda of need to you say about the competition, I think. Maybe if you look back at old older seasons, like more seasons than maybe you think, there won't be that much that much competition for quite a lot of these teams, I don't think. I mean, I feel like there's not that many seasons where there's truly any excellent, like, multiple excellent teams. There's usually one standout team. So, yeah, the best seasons are where you get, like, the actual title race, like the Man City Liverpool one two years ago, or the old Chelsea Man U battle was in the early 2010s. But there's still a large number of seasons where there are no good teams. Like, Leicester won the league, it was a miracle, but there wasn't, there wasn't really any good teams in that league either. No one did anything. A couple of the Chelsea ones. Conte's Chelsea were excellent, but who was the second best team there? I don't know. There wasn't. I can't really think there was anyone that was that magnificent. Mm. So I think maybe we're saying there's no competition, and and it's if there's never there's always like an amazing second team that makes the title sort of inside good, but there's not always. And in this case, it's just one of those seasons, and City are the standout team. Struan, what what do you what do you reckon? I mean. Graham does make a good point there. I mean, you think kind of back on any kind of title winning season, apart from the season maybe where uh, City won won their kind of their centurion season. Sorry, I can get my words out. 
and Liverpool were kind of following them as close as they kind of could right until the final 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 game. So, as that, I, I take I completely agree with what Graham's kind of said there. I mean, I don't know about yourself. Yeah, I think this is a very good Manchester City team. I think looking back on history, it probably still be in the same sort of bracket as the Centurion team, given how close they are together. But well, I think. I think Pep Guardiola, I mean, we all know how good a coach he is, but I think he does deserve a lot of credit for the way he's changed things up this season, the way he's adapted. You know, last season, obviously, they, they lost Laporte. It was Otamendi and Fernandinho were most of their defensive backline, and it was absolutely terrible. This season, Diaz has come in, and he's been good. Stones has looked good. But, I mean, I think I think Rodri as well has been excellent. They just, they're just dominating games, even when they're missing a striker, even when they're missing De Bruyne. They just... They just take every game as it comes. You know, players are coming through. Zinchenko's looked very good. Ederson's been a rock at the back, basically. Well, not a rock at the back. He's been a good goalkeeper. Gundogan has hit unbelievable, like Frank Lampard-esque, I think somebody said, the ways he's playing at the moment. Just the runs from midfield. Sterling as well. Fantastic player. He's done well. And it's just Bernardo Silva seems to be back in form. I think, I think Guardiola does deserve a lot of credit for the way he's changed things around. You know, last season, there was a lot of question marks over him, especially given the Champions League and his European career at Man City but I, th- I think the way things are going I don't see a team in England who can stop them for any of the cups you know I think they'll easily complete a domestic treble this season and could be the year that they finally do get the Champions League Oh, you, you've been saying uh, this you've been saying this I, about the I, think, I just think they're the only team that we, we've seen this season whoever's on top of the Premier League seems to fall away you know we saw it with Tottenham you know people were saying Jose Mourinho was back they fell away we saw it with Chelsea after they beat Leeds Lampard there fell away Southampton were the top at one point fell away Liverpool were the top back at the start of December fell away Man United were the top at December fell away I just don't see Man City falling away I just I think they're too consistent the way they dismantle teams like Tottenham Liverpool they've got Everton coming up this midweek I think they'll probably see them quite easily as well I just don't see them dropping points anywhere they just seem too good you know they're not they're not scoring as freely as they as they once did a few years ago but they just don't concede they just score when they need to and they just they just dominate games really it just it just looks easy almost at times and sorry about in case you know I, I agree with Shrew and I think the City team they're getting better still they're getting they the initial start of this run, they were they weren't playing well. We both thought, well, well, so we were still we were still like this. I tell you, for second, they might be actually be out of it. It's Liverpool, man, news, but they in the last two weeks they have smashed Liverpool at Anfield and smashed the weak Tottenham Hotspur team who are struggling, but still it's two top six sides that they've mm-hmm. just swept away without any doubt, which is closer to the Centurion level City than nineteen than last season City or the start of this season City. They are getting better, and I think if they keep getting better, Champions League is the goal because Champions League's wide open this year. And all this is why they brought Guardiola in at the end of the day as well, wasn't it? For the Champions League, they were good enough to mm-hmm. win the title with any man Pep, their Pep budget. Guardiola is Pep just needs to not overthink it in the Champions League. That's yeah. been the problem. They played Leon last year. And <laughs> well, I don't know what he did. There. They play in Leon. They are a better team than Leon. Play how Man City played. Don't play three at the back. Yeah. You're playing Tottenham. You're a better team than Tottenham. And the way they get the White Hart Lane. Monaco or, as well. They're better. New Tottenham Hotspur whatever it's called. Uh, they just overthink it. I think he played like a weird like kind of four four two with like so like three centre mids and one playing left mid and stuff like that in that game. It was just a manager for me. You might just... be the most talented squad in the Champions League. So play. To beat teams rather than to stop teams beating you. Exactly. Well, I think I'll help City a lot in the Champions League this season as well. They didn't have last season. Is that if they do build up quite a comfortable league, we know how good their depth is. They're going to start to play weakened teams in the Premier League to focus on Europe. 
And I think that'll be a massive boost, especially when you look at the other teams who I think maybe what Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich would probably be tipped as well as other looking like favourites for the Champions League. You know, they're not as clear. They are the top of their leagues, but you wouldn't necessarily say they'd get that lead. I mean, they might, they might do, but I think Man City will definitely have that advantage of being able to rest a few players in the league. And as we already said, you know, they don't even have De Bruyne at the moment. You know, Jesus isn't the best of strikers. They still have the Aguero. It's just, it just looks like it can only get better and they're already the best team in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big big fan of all of that. Uh, we'll move on, just kind of conscious of time. Uh, who else can we talk about? Uh, Jamie, I'll come to you here uh, just to give you a, a wee bit of conversation kind of carrying on from Friday's ramble. Uh, Josh Madger, a, a, certain, a certain Fulham striker, bagged two on his first Premier League start uh, as Fulham ran at 2-0 winners over Everton. Where, were you annoyed that you didn't go with him for your team? Or did you go with him for your team? I can't remember what you decided on. No, I, I didn't go with him for my team. Um, yeah, look, I, I said... Uh, about our last man standing that I didn't fancy Everton uh, I didn't think Fulham would get a result I've been impressed with Fulham um, going forward I think they create a lot of chances I think they're a bit like Brighton in many ways they seem to create a lot of chances but they just struggle to find the net sometimes and I think Josh Madger coming in scoring two uh, that could be a, a real boost for them and I think he could be a big player for them if Fulham are to try and make a fight for survival and I think Josh Madger is going to be uh, going to be key to that Newcastle seven points um ahead of them just now obviously not in a in a particularly good uh, I was going to say they're not in a particularly good run of form but they did just uh, beat, uh, beat Everton as well um, not so long ago anyway but Callum Wilson missing for the rest of the season that's obviously a huge miss for them so while I think Madja is going to have a huge impact for, for Fulham survival Callum Wilson's injury could uh, have an equally big impact at, uh, at Newcastle no, absolutely. I mean, I, I kind of started feeling the worst for Newcastle when Wilson got injured. And it kind of put kind of fears to rest over tonight's game because I had a feeling that Callum Wilson probably would have scored against Chelsea. So I, I'm I'm not too bothered about that. But I just kind of looking at a Fulham squad and kind of realise they do have a number of kind of decent players in there. I mean, uh, Zambo and Gisa. That's not his full name, but I can never remember his full name, unfortunately. Uh, he's been fantastic in midfield. Ruben Loftus Cheek has started playing good football again. Ola Ena has been decent at right back. Wacky uh, Manderson's been all right. Ariola's kind of come up big on a couple of occasions. Madge's had a really good start. So there, there's talent there, but I think it potentially could be a bit too little, too late for them. I don't know. I wouldn't mind Fulham staying in the league. I mean, I don't really think they offer a hell of a lot, but I don't mind their players, to be honest. Uh, don't know. Anybody else get any thoughts about Fulham before we before we move on? That's our rivals, like Jack. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like they're too good to go down in the sense, but at the same time, they've maybe left it too late to become good. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, it's... I feel that's the case oh, with any could... of the teams in the bottom three, though. But only two of them are like borderline becoming good. The West Brom are rubbish. Yeah. It's a bit late. Cameron said it on extra time the other week that he said he thought Newcastle would would get relegated uh, when Wilson got injured. And as much as I sort of do think that I did want to agree with it, but I was looking at the table and I was like, oh, you know, Sheffield United are starting to get something together, but like they're fourteen points off safety. Like mm. it's just it's just too late. You know, they just left it too late. 
Fulham have Fulham have got a chance to be fair. I do think Fulham have got a chance, but I think the other two have probably left it a bit too late. I, I don't really see much hope for them to be honest. I guess the the only sort of really redeeming factor there is the fact that nobody is consistent this season in the sense that <laughs> three weeks ago whatever looked certain is now the complete opposite in that sense. So maybe there could be some sort of collapse from a, a Newcastle but even like Brighton are starting to look very good now as well. And Burnley turned into sort of prime Barcelona to score that third goal against Crystal oh, that Palace. That was beautiful, wasn't it? I can't believe I've not seen that until that that quick uh, quick clip on Twitter because it was insane. Until after that, that game generally did not exist. Yeah, like <laughs> I would have tipped that to be the most boring game of the season, or at least one of them, and it probably produced one of the best goals you'll see all year. I know. I feel like it did kind of get brushed over. Like no, the what that didn't really get a lot of attention. That goal. I mean, I'm actually kind of like convinced it might be a deep fake, and that game didn't happen. <laughs> like somebody's managed to get the most, the most incredible deep fake of all time. They changed, that, they changed that, this, that. That was that was like uh, a Barcelona goal against well, Ibar, and somebody's just deep fake a stadium, eleven players, and two sets of scripts. <laughs> <laughs> That, there's no way Burnley scored a goal. It's not that. a Burnley goal. <laughs> it's just not anywhere. Because that game didn't happen. That game didn't take place either. That game did not happen. <laughs> I'll back that, mate. To be honest, I'm with you there. I've just realised that uh, oh just quickly God. before you move on there, Jack. I've just realised that uh, I've just looked, having a look at Newcastle's uh, fixtures um, coming up, and they play Fulham on the last day of the season. Ooh. That could be a very interesting game in the relegation battle. Fulham versus Newcastle at Craven Cottage on the 23rd of May. It's a fan zone. Do we know any Fulham fans? Do they exist? Richard Osman from the TV show Pointless. There we go. And we'll get Hugh, Richard Osman. And Hugh Grant. Richard Osman and Anton Deck. There we go. I don't know a Fulham fan that lives like five minutes from me as well. Really? Not a proper Fulham fan. But like, I think there was a link to Fulham oh. in some way to them. And they, just, they went down for the playoff final and stuff like that, so... There we go. There we go. Lenin Cody Rhodes is a, is a Fulham fan, I believe, now. To all, all the wrestling famous, fans out there. Famous wrestler, yeah. Oh, <laughs> very good. Well, uh, I don't know if he is. He just follows them and likes them on Twitter. Struan, do you want me to bring up Manchester United before we kind of move How on? How much time have we got? We'll need him 20 minutes on this segment, which is going to take us to an hour. And we've got a couple okay. of things we want to talk about anyway. Okay. Man United still don't have a style of play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. This is another poor result. I don't understand why Man United have been called title contenders this season. The defence is absolutely appalling. Harry Maguire had more touches than any other player in that match, which is absolutely abysmal. We think of creativity. There were two players in that team, in Marcus Rash and Bruno Fernandes, who were able to actually pass the ball of some degree of quality, which is exactly what you need. Minus the fullbacks, of course, Luke Shaw is very good. Against West Brom, who Sam Allardyce are just going to sit two, two banks of four. They're just going to sit back. You concede after 90 seconds to a cross, which is the same use. I mean, Lindelof's maybe fouled, it is whatever it is. You know, he should be getting beaten in the air as often as he does from centre-back. West, West Brom should have won the game. They had a higher XG at the end of the game. It was just absolutely awful. Yeah. That was fun. I'm doing the Stephen Colbert. I've got the Stephen Colbert like injection <laughs> gif. I'm doing that in my room right now. <laughs> that was tremendous, mate. That, that was fantastic entertainment. Yeah, I'll, I'll just relay that point you made. West Brom created more XG than the league's highest scorers. United don't have a style of play. That that has been a consistent problem under Solskjaer for two years that he's been in charge. Now. If a team sits back, they cannot break them down. 
they rely on lucky goals. Out of the bottom of the bottom teams this season, they beat West Brom the first time around with a lucky penalty. They beat Fulham two one. Fulham hit the post at the at the last kick of the game. It was a Pogba wonder goal. The first game against Sheffield United, they won three two, conceding two goals from poor goals to give away, and they lost to Sheffield United two one the other week. It's, it's dreadful to give away the goal against Everton in the ninety fifth minute. It's just they're just not a good enough side. It's Hannah Maguire's head. Just stop. There you go, Jimmy. I was just going to say another slow start. It's been like a problem for United this season where they seem to concede mm-hmm. first and then have, give themselves too much to do to try and get back into the game. Obviously, as you say, a team like West Brom are just going to sit back. You concede after a minute to West Brom. It just plays right into the game plan for Big Sam. It's like, right, we've got ourselves in front. Now we've got something to hold on to. And that's what they did. It's like when the alarm goes off a kickoff, Man United hits snooze and they're only into it 10 minutes in when they're supposed to be up and ready for it. It's, it just happens too often. And I don't understand. It's the same issues that keep appearing and they don't seem to be getting fixed. There's Harry Maguire's head. They just aren't getting the decisions in the last few weeks. <laughs> and, you know, Man, some, Man, Man you've had the same amount of points at Liverpool in the last five games. It's the fact that Liverpool are in crisis and Man you're kind of looked at as solid as second place. Mostly Liverpool are in crisis. I think Liverpool are in crisis, but... Man, you maybe are getting let off a little bit. I think that's more the standards Liverpool have set over the past couple of years that anything Very short of three points is a poor result, whereas Man United are in transition. And like you, you do expect Man United when when this game comes up, there's not that confidence of oh United will just see to them. And, you know, it's a team at the bottom. Like, there's genuine fear and concern, and you can understand why conceding the most ridiculous, stupid goals. And when you play two holding midfielders against. A, a low block and I'm just scratching my head very confused at times well, Man United missed Pogba that, was, that was thoroughly enjoyable uh, yeah, no problem at all and it's it's always when, when Strain goes on these rants about Man United he's always so he puts it across really really well mm-hmm. it, it's, he's never he's never someone that can just start ranting and just get delusional or just kind of get off off the message he <laughs> explained every point that made United go poorly and that caused United to go poorly into that game, and he he put across a perfect picture of why it was a bad result for them. Yeah, when I, when the Hulk gets angry, he turns green. When Shirt gets string gets angry, he turns into a tactical genius. He gets an extra two laptops. He's got he's got he's got, he's got, he's got currently disappears, and I go into Pep Guardiola mode for two seconds. He's got the he's got the eleven like kind of kitchen. He's got the salt, the pepper, the ketchup, and he's like seeing like, like moving them around to see what Man United should be doing. <laughs> no matter where he is, no matter what he's doing, he just he just start he just a, a turtleneck appears and he just, gets like extra glasses on. I get the Jurgen Klopp cap. I just want to mention before we move on from Man United, we laughed last week about the comparing their Bruno goal to Cantona's chip. Yeah. Did you see the one uh, I saw today? It is comparing Bruno's volley yesterday to Zidane's in the Champions League final. Oh, they've not. It, done it was that. like a. It was like a snapshot. I'll actually send it to you on Twitter, and I know we're in a podcast. I'll send it to you on Twitter right, for okay, this afterwards. But uh, it's like uh, it shows Bruno's goal first, and then Zidane's goal, and it's so funny. <laughs> Th- that is the second week in a row though, that Bruno has scored a cracking goal, and it's just going to be forgotten about in the long term, given the horrendous result that followed it. It was Cavani's birthday yeah. as well. Also, oh mate, it was Cavani's birthday, so they should have won, right? They should. It's, a, it's a decent goal, probably. Bruno a great goal, yeah. That's cracking. Good. But Another no, <laughs> absolutely not. Well. <laughs> well, I mean, the the type, the the art of the person who uploaded that video is at Shameless FC, and that is uh, kind of true to form, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Entirely shameless. 
Uh, right, that's going to wrap up the chat we had about the Premier League and English football this week. We are going to do a quick roundup of the kind of biggest news from around the continent and a look ahead to this week's European fixtures in Last Ditch Challenge. <laughs> And as always, we're going to be wrapping up our show with Last Ditch Challenge, which is a segment that has us looking back over the biggest stories from across the continent over the weekend and just now and trying to catch the most important ones before they pass us by. Uh, Struan, your old friend Romelu Lukaku hit his 300th career goal as Inter Milan moved top of the Serie A. Now, I, I believe that there's, there might be, a, might be an article in the works regarding the, oh, the big Belgian There's striker. something brewing. There's something brewing. Oh, go on then. So it's basically just going to be uh, a plug here. It's just basically going to be talking about the the move of Romelu Lukaku going to into Milan, how it didn't quite work out with him at United, how he's obviously quite a good striker, and just basically whether or not United would regret it or if they would want him back, should they have done it, because he has been recently linked with the move to Manchester City as uh, Sergio Aguero's replacement, which as well, which would be very interesting given. He's already played for West Brom, Chelsea, Everton and Manchester United. He's just sort of going to complete England at that point. But uh, yeah, Inter Milan are playing really well at the moment. I think Conte deserves a lot of credit. And I, I think this season, the Serie A title race is probably the most exciting title race out of Europe's leagues, to be honest, especially the yeah. top five ones. What I, I want to say as well, uh, Milan lost away to Spezia, which was the, only their second home win in their entire Serie A history which is quite something, and are now a point behind, I believe, or two points behind, and that opens up an absolute belter of a Milan derby this weekend. It's going to be fantastic. I think that's definitely going to be... It's just going to be so good. You know, like I'd, I'd prioritise that over quite a lot of uh, the big Premier League fixtures that are coming up. And I think we've got a Merseyside derby this week as well, but I, I think, I think oh. the Milan derby, yeah. Or it might be the weekend after, sorry. But the yeah, Milan derby will be excellent. And of course, we can reignite the Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Romelu Lukaku. Um... You see, somebody made like a mural about that. Yeah, that, that was sick. I didn't think it was that good. I didn't. I didn't also actually realize that Ibrahimovic has fourteen goals in eleven league games this season. Yeah, he's not. He's not out... even played the whole league. Like, I didn't realize that it was such a good ratio. It's it's incredible. <laughs> Lukaku too, and Ronaldo. You know, the three top goal scorers, three ex United players. It's just. But I, I do I do dread the thought of seeing Alexis Sanchez lifting that Serie A title. I have to say. That's why you back AC Milan. That is why I back AC Milan or Juventus, to be honest. But at the same time, I'd quite uh, like Juventus to just Ashley. lost to Napoli, did they not? So they could yeah, they lost one further off the pace. But my, my Juventus admiration only comes from Ronaldo, of course. The yeah. rest of the team are whatever they are, you know. I like Perlo, he was quite class. You don't need you don't need to explain yourself, Jim. When you when you start supporting a team, we don't actually care because it just adds to a list at this point. So you know, you get this fan, that's fine. We okay. can accept it. <laughs> I do. Uh, Graham, big news coming out of Germany today. Uh, Marco Rosa is choosing to leave Gladbach at the end of the season and join Borussia Dortmund as the first team manager. A smart move from Dortmund's point of view, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Marco Rosa has been a fantastic job from Gladbach with limited resources. So this is a great step up for him. Dortmund are a team with some great attacking players, much bigger budget and bigger fan base. So I'm expecting big things from Marco Rosa. Maybe he's the one that can put Dortmund back on top. I 
would like to say so. I, I, I'm a, I've, I've been a kind of fan of Dortmund, or kind of an outside outside looking yeah. in since uh, their uh, kind of early two twenty tens kind of team. Where the Klopp teams when they won the league. The, the Klopp teams when they won the league and kind of when they <laughs> got the Champions League final and things like that. Like that, when Jakub Blaszczykowski was one of the best players in Europe at that point in time. On the right hand side, uh, I just I just remember kind of had admiration for them and they were exciting to watch, but. Mm-hmm. They kind of fade, faded away from that a bit more in recent years, and it'd be nice to see them kind of wrestle dominance in Germany away from uh, Bayern Munich for once. Uh, lastly, before we wrap things up, the Champions League returns this week, as does the Europa League. Uh, half of the round of 16 in the Champions League gets played out on Tuesday and Wednesday this week, the other half next week. We were just going to say, and it's a, it's a bit rubbish to be honest, because they put probably the two best games of this kind of half of the fixtures on the same night, and that's Tuesday night. You've got Barcelona hosting PSG, and then Liverpool playing Leipzig. How much are we looking forward to these two games? I'll take it. Go on then, Graham. You take well, it. I'll then. be watching Liverpool Leipzig because I think I think that's an ex- a very exciting tie. It might be nice for Liverpool to get away from the Premier League kind of malaise that they're in right now and focus on the Champions League. They have been largely good against good sides this year. Saturday, the last two games are have maybe changed that, but they have been pretty good. Leipzig have been were excellent on Friday in the first half, but kind of hung on against Augsburg in a two one victory. They did rest a lot of players up in the canal, didn't play. Canati didn't play, so Bitsa didn't play. And because they played on Friday, Friday they'll be well rested. I think it could be a ma- it could be massive that this game's actually been played in Budapest, though, because that gives any kind of home comforts Leipzig might have had away. So it might provide an advantage to Liverpool. Both teams will like to attack still. Both teams will try and score goals. And hopefully it makes for an entertaining game. And I think it will be. I think it will. I think... It was definitely the more eye-catching of the two fixtures, personally. Uh, I think Neymar returning to Barcelona might have been more eye-catching, but he has his conveniently timed uh, February-slash-March time injury that is prohibiting him from playing in this match. Uh, Struan, what about, what about the games on uh, on Wednesday night? You've got uh, Sevilla taking on Dortmund, I believe, and the other one is a Escaping me quickly. Check the Porto. Porto Juventus. So Juventus, you would probably argue, would get the best of Porto, but Sevilla Dortmund's a bit more open ended. I think Sevilla Dortmund is one of those games that I'd be cracking to watch. To be honest, I think both teams will just go for it, and I think it should be a really entertaining game of football. There's none of them are exactly a favourite nor a big game for the tournament, but I think I think it should be a very, what I would describe as <clears throat> a very watchable game, especially when the other game is Juventus Porto, which, as we said should probably be a Juventus win, but I wouldn't expect it to be any sort of entertaining game by any means, to be honest. Uh, Obviously, we're going to have more Champions League fixtures to talk about next week. Uh, Jamie, we've also got Europa League this coming Thursday. There's some decent-looking ties in there. I I have a feeling something like Olympiacos, PSV could be quite decent as a wee hipster shout. Real Sociedad are playing Manchester United. Mm. Uh, Leicester away to Slavia Prague. Tottenham away to Wolfsburg are... Uh, Arsenal way to Benfica is going to be oh they're not actually away I think a lot of these fixtures are being rescheduled especially for the English teams uh, Lille Ajax I think is going to be a belter at 8 o'clock but the one that we are most concerned about is going to be Royal Antwerp versus Rangers what do we think? 
Well, Mr. Sinclair can come in on that if he wants. I don't, uh, I don't know much about Royal Antwerp. They were in Tottenham's group, obviously, in the group stages, and uh, seem to seem to do okay against them. But I'm not sure how Graham will uh, will feel going into this one. Well, that's actually interesting you mentioned that. If I could, if I could go back and change my game of the week, I would have changed it to Royal Antwerp's game of the week because they played Standard Liège on Sunday. And from a personal point of view, that's obviously very interesting for us. It's a team Rangers have played and beat, did the double over twice, which is a team they will play. I am feeling good as a last 16 tie, just about as good as Rangers could hope for. So, uh, I follow a guy called Football Stewart, uh, who used to put the SPL uh, radar, and he does a Rangers Patreon. And he has done his initial scouting for Antwerp and says that they are probably not as good as Standard Liège and that Rangers can exploit them. So I'm feeling optimistic about a result. Maybe they won't win on Thursday, but even a score draw, I think, will be a positive result for us. But I think you, could, you should be considering Rangers favourites. I think they actually are the favourites to win the game on the betting sites. They are, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. They're slightly, uh, slightly above even money. So Royal Antwerp at 5-2 to two for a home game is, mm-hmm. is pretty big. But uh, yes, I, I would fancy Rangers to but, win the tie, yeah, certainly. Uh, and Rangers, Rangers on team, they have kind of played lots of low blocks in the leagues recently, and their fullbacks have been pressed very high. Apparently, Antwerp will not do that, and Tav and Barisich were given tons of space. And I would, if any Royal Antwerp coaches are in that, I would advise you don't do that because that is not a recipe for success. <laughs> right, I think with that, that does it to wrap up this week's episode of the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Energy Sport Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to keep up to date with all of our sports content, be it podcasts or articles. Thank you very much to Stu and Jamie and Graham for joining me today. Be sure to check out both Extra Time and the Fantasy Ramble later in the week. But until then, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.